brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Cavs a podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Ryan Yankee. Ryan Yankee, long time what no talk, believe- Ryan. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. I think it's been about four months. Is is what my Skype told me. Seriously? Wow, I didn't realize it had been that long. That's <laughs> this year is just creepy. Oh yeah, this is simultaneously the shortest and the longest year ever. <laughs> like Amen to that. it feels like. March was yesterday, and it also feels like five years. Like January was five years ago. <laughs> it, I remember when nine eleven happened, and that was like the last like big national thing, and that seemed like a big thing. But this is just never never ending. So, but we have sports. We have sports, and we have uh, the NBA that has, uh, you know. The bubble, I think, was was one of the more successful sports. I don't think we'd have sports as we see them right now if the bubble had not been pulled off successfully. No, I totally agree. And it's the NBA was literally the shining star of sports, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because the NBA is where really the uh, Rudy Gobert you know, getting COVID right, yeah. and a trainer running onto the floor at uh, in Oklahoma City. That's really when everybody actually started paying attention in no, that's March. A great point. <laughs> that the NBA also had like the biggest dumb moment of sports and the biggest kickoff to the pandemic. And then since then has been probably the most successful. I would agree with you. Sorry, I was pouring a beer here. 
Uh, it's, that's important, <laughs> especially this time of year. Well, and I muted. By so, saying this year. I muted so I didn't pull a David Wood, because David always, like, you can always hear him opening the can or twisting the top off the beer. Before the, <laughs> David, are you drinking? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> I try to be very discreet about my lighter sounds for the cigarettes I have, but uh, <laughs> I'm usually good with the beers. Um, so, yeah, it's been uh, – but the problem is is the teams that didn't make the bubbles, like the Cavs, they had a long off season. The Cavs were waiting nine months. I don't know. I've never – there's probably the second most exciting preseason game I've ever played, ever watched after the LeBron comeback <laughs> preseason game. Um other than that, it's been, okay, it's a preseason game. But, man, I was excited to see the Cavs in their first preseason game because it had been a while. And, and they've looked really good in the preseason. Um, okay. Two and two and one. Uh, and I would say the one they lost was kind of a ridiculous affair where they got Thibodeau'd. And because Tom Thibodeau was running starters against their G League guys at the end of the game, and it was like, really? Really, Tom Thibodeau? Like, the Cavs had four guys that may not even make the roster, and Damian Dotson out in the end of the last game. And how many starters? They had two starters. They had Mitchell Robinson and um, R.J. Barrett out against the Cavs in the, to close that game out. So... It was definitely a little silly. Uh, and, of course, now everybody's talking about... And the funny thing was is they had R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, uh, quickly from Kentucky. I'm, I'm trying to remember who the other young guy was out there. And then they had Obi Toppin, and Obi Toppin was like the old... Oh, um, Dennis Smith Jr. and Obi Toppin, and Obi Toppin was the oldest of all the players that were on the floor. <laughs> for the for the Knicks, so well, I it, guess for them at least they weren't playing like seventeen uh, power forwards this time. But yeah, I mean the whole thing was just silly. I mean, what seven major rotation players for the Cavs were out? I think. Yeah, yeah, and and everybody's like, and then some other dude that won't make the team was out. So good for him. But I, it was just yeah. the last quarter was just absurd. Yeah, and if you look at the the New York media is like, oh, look at the Knicks. They- <laughs> Young guys are coming around. I'm like, they beat a Jesus. And yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I was not very impressed with Toppin for most of the night in that game. But uh, he did that dunk he had at the end on the alley hoop was pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. I remember that. The, the cutting dunk. He I was like, wow. He, he took off from pretty far back. But to con- contrast that, I was talking to you about it before. Like, I, I wasn't super up on Okoro. I wasn't down on him. But that, you know, draft night, that wasn't what I was hoping for. So what were you hoping for? I was still hoping for a idea. Maybe I'm wrong, and I actually haven't gotten around to watching his games yet. Well, the rumor I've heard is that he may end up starting for them, so who knows? But I definitely see also what we were talking about, where he's kind of redundant with Jetty, although he's a little bigger. And he's considerably younger, so he's got time to develop. But I, I really did not see this kind of production coming out of Okoro, especially from the three-point line. I, I've yeah. been seriously impressed. And just, yeah, I think I'm a little talks. bit on the small sample size boat, uh, at least offensively. But I'm super impressed with his 
his defense and offensively the thing i really like about him is there's not a lot of wasted movement not a lot of wasted motion he goes to the right spot he's in the right spots he knows how to cut he knows how to finish with either hand he's a good passer on the short roll um and he spots up he gets the good spots and he just makes the shots and yeah i mean he's six to nine from three in the preseason you know still like i said small sample size but it's a lot to get excited about and i will say the one thing he has an nba body like he looks like he could go play strong safety for the Browns tomorrow. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. And and obviously the small sample size is just the thing you're going to have to always deal with. But you're absolutely right about his offenses. Even if he misses a shot or even if he screws something up, he's not ever doing something stupid. He's not doing something selfish. He makes the right decisions. And so even if the ball doesn't go in the basket, you're happy with what he tried to do. And Luckily, the ball has gone in the basket. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, my favorite play of his last night was when he came down on the break, and he kind of just waited. He kind of held the ball. I was like, why is he holding the ball and not attacking? He just waited for the traffic to clear, and then just swung the ball to a wide open Dean Wade, who was about ten feet away, and Wade just drained it. I was like, that is a really smart play to see that developing. Like most rookies don't make that play. Like most right, rookies are, I got, I got to make the flashy play, and and part of that is the confidence of being a guy that is not fighting for a roster spot, so you don't have to do something to stand out. You can just make the smart play. And but I was really impressed by that. That was that was probably my favorite play of the game by him. And of course, he had the game winner against um, Indiana in the was that the yeah, second which, game? That was just. Spectacular! The first game, first game, yeah, and that first game was really fun. Yeah, it's, I was uh, I'm watching the game with my parents, and I'm looking at them and like, why is this so entertaining? <laughs> yeah, I, I posted a comment I think about it, uh, but it's just like this is a preseason game. This is usually like you kind of put it on and talk and BS with people while you're watching it, and it's like ah, it's nice to see the guys again. But it's the those first two games were like holy hell, like. This is good basketball. Well, I wouldn't say it was well, good I, I basketball. It, it was compelling basketball. Let's put it yeah, that that, way. that's a better term. <laughs> uh, good, I meant as in it's good to watch. I mean, there I, were I, there were some rough stretches, especially that first game when it was all just turnovers and and bricks. What was it? Like, I, somebody in the Knicks game. I'm sorry. I think it was like 50 turnovers by halftime or something absurd like it, that. It was. No, it was 30-some turn. I think it was 35 turnovers or something by halftime. It was nuts by both teams. Yeah, like, both teams were in the double digits, and, the, and not the low double digits by uh, by halftime. So, and the second half got better. Um, you're going to have that with a team that, you know, took nine months off. Um, and then against the Knicks, the uh, there was just some horrible stretches in the third quarter. Uh, somebody on the live thread said they're going to have to readjust the baskets after this game from from all the bricks that that they threw at it. But there was some really good moments in that uh, in that last well, next game. And to be fair about even the turnovers and stuff, um, obviously there's just sloppy play on both sides. And you know I don't want to give too much credit to the Cavs defense, but 
I want to give some credit to the Cavs' defense in the fact that a lot of people that are not good defenders were being really disruptive. And, I mean, even Garland, who I, obviously, I do not have a lot of faith in as a defender, but he was getting his hands in places. There was just there was an entire mood in the team that's different from what the last couple of years have been. Yeah. At and least from my perspective. It's interesting because a lot of people are really I, I've heard some very mixed opinions on uh, Thon Maker. Yeah, he well, he's he provokes mixed opinions because I have kind of both opinions on him as well. I think he's has the ability to be a very good defensive player, um, and I I've been really impressed at times with his defense. Um, I also think he has a stronger NBA body or a strong. He's stronger than he was early in his career. I mean, he was a beanpole and he's definitely filled out, especially in the shoulders and the upper body, um, which yeah, he's he definitely de- put on some muscle in some way. Yeah. He desperately needed to do that. Um, I've been impressed with his defense. Um, you know, his, his preseason stats are, are not horrible, at least, uh, you know, defensively. Uh, he is in the plus minus, Every game, uh, he was plus 16 against Indy, plus 6 in the second game, plus 7 in the in the last game. He's got a block. He's got a couple steals. And the impressive thing, he's got 18 rebounds in three games in, you know, not a, a ton of minutes. But I, I've been impressed with his defense. He's actually a much better passer than I thought he would be. Um, he hasn't been turning the ball over a ton, but he... And actually, I've been impressed with his his low post game, but he is um, struggling. And he struggles from the free throw line. It feels like, and he's zero for five from three on the season. One for six in the game on in the last game. I'm. I think he has the ability, but I don't know if the Cavs have the patience to bring him along. But I would love to see him make the team as. I guess he would be their third or fourth center, depending on how you categorize Larry Nance. So I'm, I would like to see him continue, but not everybody feels it. Man, if you go on Twitter, there's some people that hate Thon Maker. I think he's the worst player in the NBA. So he's just a weird mixed bag, and uh, yeah, he's definitely I, an odd collection of skills. Yeah, now I really hope they carry him at the bottom of the roster. Because if the Cavs can get away with carrying someone like that as their 14th or 15th man, that's a really good person to have. Um, before he was on the team, to be honest, I was pretty down on him, and not necessarily because of his skills, just uh, because of several ways he approached the game. And, and one of the few players I've seen fall out of a summer league game where it takes 10 fouls to fall yeah. out. And watched him play before he was on the Cavs. He had a tendency to just make dumb, aggressive fouls all the time. Now, since he's been on the Cavs, he's actually seemed pretty reserved and pretty contained with his fouls. So I, I, I definitely been impressed with that. And I've seen he's quicker than you think he should be for his size. Uh, you know, he has good lateral movements, and he can be as uh, I'm sure I'm going to overuse this word all podcast. But he's been able to be really disruptive uh, on the defensive end. So if he can occasionally make some of his outside shots and 
be somewhat reliable from the free throw line, I think he's a great thing to have at the bottom of the bench. I'm not going to necessarily say he should start, no, but, but I'm happy to have him. Yeah, and, you know, as a guy you want to develop, that's the kind of player. He's only 23. He, he's got good upside. You know, maybe you can turn him into a backup center by the time he's 25. You know, I I absolutely agree. Who is it? I think it was Barkley that like two years ago said Don was going to be uh, MVP of the league within a, a couple of years or a few <laughs> years. I think it was Charles Barkley. Oh, that's, I remember that's a crazy. big like NBA story of, oh, this guy is going to be MVP. He's got everything. And to be honest, he does have a little bit of almost every skill. So I yeah. kind of. The problem I, is, is the NBA is a specialist's league. <laughs> And you have to have one skill to kind of, you know, separate you from everybody else, at least one skill. And right now he doesn't really have one, you know, I agree with you, but uh, a few weeks ago, I read a really good article that was talking about how it has been such a specialist league, but a lot of teams have been moving away from specialist players. Uh, I think it was more talking about like the Lakers and their playoff run but how people are pick more and more picking up players that aren't just really good at one thing, but they can do a little bit of a lot of things. And to be fair, I think that's kind of true. Cause I mean, it's really become a wings league and it's the people that can hit threes decently. that can rebound. that can kind of pass. that can kind of dribble. I mean, those are the players that every team is looking for. Yeah, no, I'll agree with you there. And then I'll also say that, you know, bigs are a little bit back in vogue because the Lakers really won the last championship with bully ball. Yeah, um, I agree. It, and I, I honestly thought that the Cavs would might get a little more interest in Andre Drummond, but I also think there's a lot of teams that they did not want to make trades in the off season. They pretty much just wanted to see what they had. And, you know, we might see a lot of action at the trade deadline this year. But a lot of people are like, okay, this season may just be a wash, too. Like, we may just get through this season and kind of see what happens. So I I can see that mindset, too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with guys like Andre Drummond. Um, You know, Drummond has been very productive in the preseason. I think he had 17 points and 14 rebounds in 20 minutes in in the next game which is i think it was 18 actually i think he at least led or tied all scores and he actually led sorry 18 points yeah he had a plus side. 17 plus minus yeah uh but he he's such a weird one to try and evaluate because it's like there's some moments where you're just absolutely thrilled that he's on the team and then there's some moments where you're like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always go back to the um, the interview when he was getting drafted, and they said, well, what player do you most think in the NBA you're most like? And he said, Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a true story. Like, that was the answer he gave, and everybody was just like, what? <laughs> you are not Kevin Durant, but you kind of feel like he thinks he's a guard a little bit. But, you know, he has – I thought he had some terrible passes the other night, but he had some brilliant passes too. Like, he so was – the backdoor passes he has? Or well, like, and that snap pass he had across the court uh, to oh, yeah. Garland on the right 
in the right corner. That was a really impressive pass, and then Garland just drilled the shot. Um, you know, he, and he ended up with five dimes and only two turnovers, so can't complain. Well, again, he led the team in assists. It's yeah. like it's just really weird trying to wrap your head around what you feel about Drummond. Yeah, uh, the one thing that shouldn't even matter, and it has nothing to do with basketball, but the dude has an awesome smile, and that sounds does, really weird yeah. to bring up. But it's like he has this genuine kind of joy that he brings to the game that makes you like, eh, well, even when I'm pissed at him, like, eh, he's. Maybe he's just good for the team. Yeah, and I, I will say that um, he seems a lot happier than he did in Detroit. Uh, I did yeah, not no see kidding. him smile nearly as much in Detroit as I've seen him smile here. So I absolutely agree. I mean, he had so many moments in Detroit where he's like, I'm here, I'm committed, and damn it, I wish I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've heard that he and Kevin Love are friends, you know, so that's probably good yeah. for him. Um, it, the one thing I think that drives everybody nuts is when he tries to dribble the ball instead of getting it down the court or getting it to a guard. Um, yeah, where he dribbles from baseline to baseline. Yeah, and, and you're it, like, come the on. One, <laughs> the one play where he tried to do it, he, I think he tried to do like a behind the back and almost rolled it out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, Jesus, give it to someone that's a little better at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, What's your uh, take on Dotson? Um, I like Dotson. My problem with Dotson is I'm not wild about his personal history. Um, so I'm a little, you know, I'll, I'm a little skeptical, but I, I actually, it's one of those things where I didn't know his personal history when I uh, followed him with the Knicks, and I actually thought he might not be the terrible pickup for the Cavs. Uh, for a couple reasons, one, he's one of those guys that always killed the Cavs or often killed the Cavs in, in games. Like, why, did, why does Damian Dotson have 22 points? You know, it's like this guy came off the deep bench and is just killing us. Um, I actually think he has good height, um, a decent NBA body, can play a little uh, of both guard spots and a little and maybe even some small forward. And, you know, he's a little bit what you said earlier. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. He's got a real solid shot. I, I will say at times he's a little too confident in his jumper. Like he kind of lets some fly with a hand in his face. And I'm like, you know, you can get a better shot than that. But um, you know, if you watch him, the first game against Indy, he played great, had the game-winning assist, um, and then his shooting fell off in the second game against Indy, and then the last game, he was kind of the lone rotation guy on the floor, and it, it was rough going at the end of that game, but I'm not really going to blame him when the Cavs were running, RJ, you know, Matt Mooney against R.J. Barrett, so <laughs> Matt Dad Bod Mooney. See, uh, in general, I pretty much agree. I, I just, I didn't actually know really much at all about Dotson beforehand. I didn't really remember him, and I remember at the end of the first preseason game, he had that possession where he got the ball like outside the three-point line and just kind of dribbled around like an obnoxious idiot and just jacked a terrible shot and missed it. And I'm like, okay, God, I hate this guy. Like, I really hope he just gets cut. And then he just drilled every shot he took afterwards. So yeah. it's like, oh, well, okay, maybe I'm wrong. You know who and... he reminds me a little of? 
Uh, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but he reminds me a little bit Jordan Clarkson in the same way. I I agree. I actually had the same conversation. <laughs> yeah, like similar body. Uh, Jordan Clarkson a little more wiry, but um, and a little longer arm, but yeah, similar game in that you know he will just and you can in some respects off the bench you need a guy like that that's not afraid to just let it fly because I agree. at the end of that game for the Cavs one of the problems they had is nobody wanted to shoot <laughs> and, you know, and, that, and that's part of what my complaint was in the last, last Knicks game is the only people trying to shoot or really do anything were the three guys that had no chance of making the roster and Dotson and what well, I think it was Maker in the end they were the only people not getting the ball it was all just people trying to prove that they could get on the roster and just sucking at it. <laughs> well, yeah, and and that's, but that's what happens when you're going to play G League players too. So, right, they they got to take their shot, YOLO, baby. So, <laughs> as, as Tom Stack would say. So, I I had no, I my my favorite part of that game was uh, Bickerstaff pulling Okora out of there because I called it uh, on Twitter. I called it. I didn't want to see anything bad happen with a Coro against the giant dumb baby lineup that the Knicks were running. <laughs> uh, because, well because it was like those guys, that was classic Thibodeau, just like short-term gain, long-term loss. Uh, you know, nobody... Yeah, play someone for 47 minutes uh, <laughs> just to like lo- still lose a game. Beat the Cavs and, yeah. in a preseason game. You know, you're, right. you're playing starters against G-leaguers so you can beat the Cavs in a preseason game. Okay, come on. <laughs> but yeah, the but the Dotson-Clarkson thing, I really do agree because he has that weird mix of he looks selfish, but he isn't. You know, he'll over-dribble and take a shot that maybe he shouldn't have. But when he sees something, even, you know, like the game-winning pass to Okoro, he's more than willing to make it. So it's the things that made me at least really like Clarkson at the end, where it's like, well, he appears selfish, but it's just more how he sees the game. Yeah. But if he can actually, you know, see the right situation, he's not going to just blow it and just take some dumb shots for no reason. Yeah, well, and, and those are the people you need to come off the bench sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes you need a guy that's going to throw up a shot and, Throwing up a shot and missing it is better than committing a turnover or right. getting a shot clock violation. And there's some bench guys that they just don't want to shoot. You know, they just want to do what they can do to to make the team and always kind of, quote, unquote, making the right play. But somebody's got to shoot. So, Right, and they'll keep passing around. They're like, well, I'm not entirely open. So, And it's like, no, sometimes you need a guy to just be like, all right, I'm going to do that. So. <laughs> That's why I really hope that Dodson makes the end of the roster. And I don't think he's going to be a star for the team. I don't think he's going to be. No, he's you know, a, he's got a guaranteed contract. He'll make the team. Oh, he's guaranteed. I think. Yeah, he's no, guaranteed they guaranteed well. his contract for two years, I believe. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. So Maker and uh, Wade are the only two non-guaranteeds. So Wade is uh, one of their two-way players. So he could. I'm, no, I'm, he's not a. Two- oh, you're correct. Yeah, not now. Yeah, I'm they gonna keep him not guaranteed in the off season to clear a space for another two way player. Oh, okay. So their two way guys are Matt Mooney and who else? Uh, Matthew something. <laughs> uh, I think the one guy that hasn't played at all yet. Uh, Matt Mooney and Lamar Stevens. Uh, Is it? Oh. 
I thought the Earth. Oh, Lamar Stevens out? is the undrafted rookie free agent. He's got a training camp deal, but I'm not sure who's on. Uh, oh, Charles Matthews. Charles Sorry, Matthews. I have no idea who Charles Matthews is. He hasn't played a second uh, in the preseason. Well, but maybe he'll play in the next game. Yeah, I'm nearly certain he's the other two-way that we have right now. Oh, okay. Um, um, go ahead, sorry. And if you're talking two ways, I mean, my my opinion is that I'd rather... S- it'll be interesting. So let's count up the roster spots. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And then All Thonmaker th- is 16. But that means... So it's really going to come down to Dean Wade and Thonmaker on who... Dean Wade and Thonmaker are both on unguaranteed, but if they both get signed, that's 15. No, that's 16. Who am I missing? I'm nearly... So we got I, I, Drummond, sorry, I Love, Larry Nance Jr., Exum, Chetty Osman, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Ike Okoro, JaVale McGee, Dylan Windler, Damian Dotson... Kevin Porter Jr., Matthew Delavadova. Oh, nope, you're right. Yeah, so that would be fi- Thonmaker would be 15. And yeah, yeah, I, I went through a whole like uh, when I go to sleep, I try and think about stuff. Uh, <laughs> this is this is how you get yourself like, to sleep. It seriously is. It's kind of weird, but <laughs> I was going through like roster scenarios, and you know, I've heard that the okay, so Maker could be the 14. 15th guy. Right, I heard they only want to carry 14, which. Honestly, I hope they bite the bullet and carry 15. I mean, sign someone to an easy, unguaranteed deal or something for... Well, here's the other thing. There's a bunch of teams that have more guaranteed contracts than roster spots. Really? Yeah. yeah, I didn't think you could even do that. (laughs) Well, you can in training camp, which means they're going to have to either buy somebody out or trade them to somebody that can carry that roster spot. So there's also the possibility that the 15th guy on this Cavs team is somebody who's not even on the team right now. Well, that's the thing I think they're thinking about or worrying about. But it's at this point, they've spent a couple of years carrying at least one under uh, the roster, usually because they're expecting to make trades. But I think they've made a lot of them. And they have a pretty uh, versatile roster at this point. It looks nothing like what it has the last two years, where it's like we have 17 guards and 13, you know, power forwards. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they have three or four big guys. They've got three or four guys that can play power forward. They have a lot of wings. And honestly, if they're thin anywhere, it's it's a guard. Um, but they have a lot of, you know, multi-position players, so. And they have a lot of wings that can play guard which that's the thing that especially in the modern nba has become a big thing well yeah because it's all outside yeah yeah you have coro that can play guard i mean honestly you could play jetty as a point guard if you had to well i've said that jetty's entire career that the problem with jetty is he's not a three that can play four he's a big two that can play three well, I agree. That's something that was parked on constantly. <laughs> yeah, and and if they had done that his whole career, he, he would be a lot better off for it. And you saw him in his first game just kill it, um, playing that kind of role of, okay, I'm going to initiate in the pick and roll. I'm going to be a wing. I'm going to be a guard. But, you know, I'm not going to match up against fours. 
you know, on right. defense. He, he was, so he was technically listed as a three for that game, but the two was a coro. So I mean, yeah. you have this, you know, tank playing next to him, able to play guard. But it's it, his whole career before the NBA, he was a guard. He played two. He played one. And that's where his skill set is. And then you get to actually take advantage of his size rather yeah. than having him be a little bit too light to play the four. It's... Yeah. Now, the one thing about him is his handle can get a little sloppy. Yeah. Um, and that's probably his biggest problem in the NBA of playing that way. But he's still a good decision maker in the pick and roll. And he, he's fundamentally sound enough that he's going to, you know, protect the ball but yeah his 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 handle can definitely get sloppy so that that's why he hasn't played that way but if he plays like he did the last game that he played the or the first preseason game uh he'll uh he'll definitely stick around the nba so on twitter i've been going back and forth with a couple people over you know what the Cavs' starting lineup should look like what what's your take uh First, really quick, uh, before I jump to that, uh, just on your comments on Jetty, the one really good thing about the lack of ability in his handle is that he actually knows it. And uh, it was not this past summer of the season before. I, there was even a whole series of videos how he spent the entire summer working on ball handling drills. And it, it's just a really interesting thing about how he's tried to work on it. So, Maybe he hasn't gotten good enough yet, but he's not one of those people that thinks he's not drumming that thinks that he can run the floor, uh, you know, with the ball and is going to screw it up. He at least knows he yeah. has to work on it. I mean, and the one, now, the other uh, thing, going I'll, back to the starting lineup. Ideally, oh, well, well, hold on. So the one thing I'll say about Drummond, if you're going to do that and you're going to work on those parts of your game, the preseason is the way to do it. Or the that's a good it. point. And I will say, I actually don't hate Drummond you know, taking those, you know, snap threes at the beginning of the game. Like, and he in the last, I think, two of the first three preseason game, he's pretty much just taken a snap off the dribble three out of the tip-off. And I actually don't I hate that because it's like, okay, I'm going to make you guard me out here. You can't just lay off me the whole game. So, no, I agree. That's a problem that Tristan used to have where it's, you would never even just attempt one, so people would back off him by like eight feet. Yeah, it's like if you just occasionally take one, you're just putting in people's heads that, well, maybe I'm gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, then he had that insane heave <laughs> that was like. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm interested to see how he does with the Celtics. I'm I'm bummed he's not a Cav anymore, but I'm still interested to see how that goes. Yeah, I agree. It's unfortunately the Celtics, but. It's just a weird team to have, like, a Cavs fan favorite go-to. But, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what he does on another team. Anyways, as far as the starting lineup, uh, the biggest thing I keep coming back to is, and I'm impressed with some of the stuff that Garland's done this year, at least that he's put on some weight. Uh, I'm going to go back to the word disruptive. He's been much more disruptive on defense. He's a little more willing to take his three, and he seems like he's filling up – figuring out the passing game even more for the NBA. At the same point, as much as everyone says that Saxton is a six-man, at this point, just a better player than Garland. Uh, and even though Garland's supposed to be a better shooter, Saxton's a better shooter. 
at, at least statistically. So I would honestly like to see a Sexton, Okoro, Jetty, Drummond, and Love lineup. And I understand that Sexton's not a pure point guard, and he doesn't have all the passing, but Jetty does. And Okoro has a good passing instinct. And Love and Drummond are both great secondary playmakers that I don't think it really matters to have one player that's going to rack up 10 assists in that kind of lineup. That's how I, I I'm play. with you. I, you know, I am not, I'm a fan of Darius Garland, the person. I'm not a fan of Darius Garland, the player. Um, you know, if you look at his preseason stats this year, he is, you know, 17 of, what do we, what do we got here? 28, 39 on the, on the, uh, on the regular season or from the floor. And then he is four of 12 from three. It, you know, it's not looking great there. And he has eight assists to 12 turnovers. Although he did go five to one in his last game. And he looked a lot better, at least as a passer in his last game. But as a shooter, he was, he was pretty rough. Um, and one of the things that he, I've been very annoyed about him with or annoyed with him about and you saw that a lot with Sexton last year is he goes into guys and kind of gets in amongst the trees and gets his shot blocked a lot or gets into guys body and that might have worked in college but the guys just kind of take a half step back and swat away his shot and I have not been super impressed with him in the preseason uh, and I haven't honestly been impressed with his defense. Um, he's looked good in the zone scheme that the Cavs have run against, like, the Knicks. But that's also the Knicks who can't shoot. <laughs> um, I actually thought he was an abject disaster in the first game in the pick-and-roll uh, defense and just getting blown by guys regularly. I didn't think he was great in the second game when he was a little better with the three steals. Um, but I think the Cavs are, and he was minus 13, minus 12, plus 20. So I think the Cavs are probably going to stick with him as a starter. I think they're more likely to send Chetty or Sexton to the bench, but I'll be interested to see if Sexton plays in this next preseason game. Um, but I read that he was going to, but it could be wrong. Well, and it could also change by tomorrow too. Right. Um, I'm not a big, I have not been impressed with Darius Garland so far. He makes a lot of bad decisions. Like I haven't seen him play a complete game yet. Like the first game, he was terrible on defense and turned the ball over. Second game, he turned the ball over a ton, shot one for five from three. Third game, he was good passing, but he was four 13 from the floor. Like, I want to see him play a complete game. He doesn't have to do that every game, you know, but I want to see him. I And I also think the number of shots he's taking for the minutes he's playing is a little high. Um, but the problem is he's taking the wrong shots. Right, yeah, he's I not agree, stepping into threes. Who was it? Somebody on the live thread, either on the live thread or the email chain, said that you know, he should just do, let, let me pull up the Hornets roster. I can't remember this player's name. Um, he should just do what, um, uh, 
No, uh, let me, I got to find the guy. Devontae Graham does. Devontae Graham, it's basically threes and dimes is his game. And I kind of feel like that should be Darius Garland's game. Like, no, that's exactly what I was saying. The thing is, yeah. it, it, when he gets a clean line to a floater, you can take it because he's got a damn floater. He does, and, it, that, and he's got a really nice touch on it. Right, but other than that, you're right. You should take threes or pass. Yeah. And it's, I think Garland is being handicapped by being the fifth pick and the Cavs trading him like the pick. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think it would be better to give him some tough love and move him to the bench and make him earn his spot. But right, and if you put him in that position, and then you also, you know, as the season progresses, don't stick him next to an undersized guard with Sexton. He's going to have the opportunity to be really competitive against people that are not the top five players in the NBA, you know, on any given team. Yeah, and just make him take his threes, make him facilitate for the other guys, and. I think he could easily become a starter again, but he, he needs that time to not be the lead focus of the team. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I mean, it, it it's kind of the odd team that the Cavs are in that they have a couple really good veterans in Kevin Love and Andre Drummond and Larry Nance, and then they have a lot of really young guys and... You know, last year they very much ran the lineups to try and develop the young guys. The question is, is what do they do this year? Do they keep running these suboptimal lineups? You know, are they low key tanking? Or are they actually trying to compete? It's or develop players. It we don't know yet. I don't. I don't. I don't have an yeah, idea. I'm, I'm hoping Bakerstaff, just from the little bits we've seen, is going to work a little more towards being competitive and. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not the best thing for the Cavs. Maybe it's better that they lose another year and get a high draft pick and a really high, uh, you know, high-class draft. But it's just getting a little frustrating seeing exactly what you're talking about, where there's these suboptimal lineups, and it's like you have Garland and Sexton together, and maybe one day they will both develop well enough that they'd be great together. And, you know, we have enough defense and enough versatility that we can cover for their deficiencies. But we don't right now, and it hasn't worked right now. But if you put those two guys on, you know, one lineup and then the other, right now we got a lot of size. We got a lot of secondary playmakers and a lot of even other primary playmakers. Yeah. And it, it would be really, really easy to run better lineups if two of them were split up. Yeah, I'm with you. And I honestly think that... You know that there's a couple things like I look at Portland all the time as the that you know the yeah, example of where it can work, time. and then the other one being Toronto. Of course, you know as Ben Worth often often says in the email thread, Toronto is weird because Lowry plays so much bigger than his size because he's so strong. And, yeah, like a damn ox. Yeah, and I I would say that Van Vliet is pretty darn strong for his size as well. Um, right. And and that helps them. Plus, they're both very very smart players. The problem with the Cavs is you know Sexton is looking a lot stronger than he has in the past. Um, Garland is not 
got a child's body anymore, as Ben said in the live thread. But well, Darwin even said himself that he said he was trying to grow into a man's body. Yeah, but I still don't think he's there yet. Like he's right, well, just he's too young to be the same example. Well, yeah, except when you have nineteen-year-old, I'm built like a tank. Uh, Isaac Okoro <laughs> on the team, so true. But he's also what four inches, five inches taller than yeah. both of them. So well, he, and, yeah. So of course, there's a and, and may have the widest shoulders on the team outside of Drummond. <laughs> so yeah, that but guy. I'm just like, I, I've got a bit of a man crush on Okoro. <laughs> I, I am so much more high on him than I expected to be. No, he's he's very impressive, and and I was happy they drafted him. My thing was don't do something dumb, um, and and the funny thing is the guy that's looking like might be the best player of the draft is the Bulls guy. Which guy are you talking about? Uh, Patrick Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember he's you being high on him before, but I don't know. Yeah, no, about he's looking incredible in the preseason. So. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this draft shapes out for sure. I mean, it's funny because I'm watching Golden State right now play the Kings on NBA TV and, or on ESPN. And, you know, my the guy I wanted or one of the guys I wanted the Cavs to take. Um, Jeez. Uh, the kid from Iowa State. I can't remember his name now. You know anything else about him? Ah, uh, he's on the Kings. <laughs> yeah, he's the Kings. It's not even a basketball team. Oh, uh, and this is I, I, I put in Kings roster, and I got the Los Angeles Kings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I even wrote a profile on him. That's how sad this is. <laughs> I uh, just still sometimes am amazed that they even have a basketball team. Oh yeah, well. Yeah, Vivek Ranadiv is 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 not a good coach but, or a good owner, but this is going to drive me nuts. Who's playing today? You, you know, this is the fun thing where tr- Nate tries to remember a name. It's the best part of every podcast. <laughs> I um, look it up simultaneously, but my phone's <laughs> not being very cooperative. It is not Buddy Healed. Tyrese Halliburton. You know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big guard, right? <laughs> yeah, but not, but he's very skinny, and definitely not the guy that uh, Isaac Okoro is. I mean, I think the one thing everybody that has seen the Cavs and seen Isaac Okoro is like, this guy is not a guy that has to put on muscle. He is ready to play now. You know, right, yeah, he looks like he's been in the league for three years. Yeah, I mean, he looks like one of the more developed wings. Like, he looks like um, Marcus Smart level. <laughs> like, can just come and lay a lay a shoulder hit on you as you come across the middle uh, at the 20-yard line. Oh, don't compare to Marcus Smart. I hate Marcus Smart. I, I just mean Marcus Smart is built like a linebacker. Oh, no, I know. It's just he's such a... Words I'm not going to say on this podcast. A diva. <laughs> he, yeah, Marcus Smart's one of those guys you love to hate, for sure. It, well, it's, uh, it, J.R. Smith put it well. It's like, if he's so tough, why is he falling on the ground all the time? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I get your point, and to be fair, if Marcus Smart was on our team, I'd look the other way and probably like him. But other than that, uh, yeah, lots of swear words. 
Yeah. The other guy that's, uh, you know, a lot of Cavs fans wanted in preseason was Devin Vassell. And Devin Vassell has uh, had a really nice preseason. He's got uh, nine steals in three games, which is impressive. Oh, wow. For a rookie. That is impressive. Uh, for anybody, really. Um, but, you know, he, he's living up to the hype, too. So I'm I'm interested to see how he shakes out. Um, it's going to be a weird draft. You're going to see some really good players or some players be much better than you thought they were. And there's going to be some guys. I think Obi Toppin is going to be a guy that has nice dunks and doesn't do much else in the NBA. I think this draft in general, uh, just from the little bit I've seen is going to be better than people projected it to be. And to be fair, I, I haven't watched enough yet, so maybe this is completely a uh, wrong opinion. But I think some of the people at the top are not what people thought they were going to be either. Yeah. I think that it's going to be kind of a flip on uh, ranking and stuff. Because I, I just from the little bit I've watched before of uh, like Anthony Edwards and stuff, I, and from even watching like high school and, uh, you know, uh, overseas games of the ball kid i don't think a lot of their skills are going to translate as well to the nba as people think they will well i think you know ball is going to be one of those kids that has a lot of highlights and doesn't win a lot of games i very much i agree my uh my take on him when when i profiled him was a you know six foot nine jason williams uh you know seven hmm I thought he was six seven. I've I've heard it all over the place. You know, oh, yeah. six CMT. seven, six nine with the afro. Just make it up. As as the old joke from Fletch goes. I, but I, yeah, it's. I think you're absolutely right. He'll have some great highlight plays. But I, I remember even watching like highlight films from a couple of years ago from Paul, uh, and you know, it's like playing running gun high school basketball. You know, where he'd like you know, throw 80-foot outlets to somebody while no one was playing defense or have someone else do the same to him. And it was like, that's not really basketball. That's just your competition sucks. Yeah. And it's just, it's not playing real pro ball. It's just running around and confusing people. And that's not going to work. So maybe I'm wrong, and I didn't really watch much of him uh, in Australia. So maybe he's developed since then. But I, I just don't see him having it. And then Anthony Edwards just, to me, looks like a chucker uh, it's well know, he was five for 15 tonight no well, yeah and it's like so yeah you can get a lot of points when you're on a college team and you're the best player on the college team so everybody gives yeah. you the ball well, i mean he's definitely a good athlete but right well it's yeah it's not to say he's bad it's just his yeah. ranking i think is bad yeah but back to the calves oh um, yeah and and not that i'm trying to cut you off i just uh, we do have a team that we follow. Um, you know, I'm with you on the Cavs roster. Is anybody else that stood out in uh, in preseason for you for the Cavs? Because I got a guy. Well, it's uh, I mean, we kind of talked about, but obviously, I love you know Maker uh, getting a double double in his first game. Uh, Dotson was better than way better than I expected. Uh, Nance hasn't actually played particularly well. But he's been Nance, which is really good. So I don't really care about the counting stats. Where though has stood out to me, even though he had two terrible shooting games and he's airballed the hell out of stuff. But just 
the way he rebounds, the way he gets his feet in the right position, and how he, it, I'm sure it helps because he's ambidextrous, but he always seems to just have his hand in the right place to uh, grab a loose ball or to grab a rebound. It, it, his entire attitude to the game really, really makes me happy. And it's like, okay, if you got the jitters and you haven't played in the NBA yet and all you played was some summer league games, I, I'm not so worried about a few shots no, not going down. But just his overall presence I've been really happy with. Yeah, in the Knicks game, he his shot finally started coming around and he had 11 points on, you know, 4 or 7 shooting, 2 or 4 from deep. And he had that yeah, one... deep 3, too. Yeah, and he had that one jumper in the uh in the right corner that he looked like a left-handed clay thompson like it was a i was like wow that's a pretty jumper i am can see why this team was high on him and and like you said he seems very fundamentally sound um kind of does everything pretty well um great cutter great cutter good on closeouts uh he had a play what, what probably my favorite play that he had in that last game was he backed his guy, you know, he attacked the closeout from the right corner, backed his guy into the post, drew a triple team, and then kicked it out to Andre Drummond, who drained a three. And I was like, that, yeah, that's a really nice play. Like, use your gravity and use the Knicks making really dumb defensive choices to get a guy, even if it's Andre Drummond, you get a guy an open look at the three. That's a good look. I don't care who it is if you're in the NBA. I mean, yeah, and he has great secondary playmaking uh, instincts. He even has pretty good for, uh, primary, but his secondary is just where he gets a ball in motion or he gets a ball in position and then kicks it to somebody else when he gets the, you know, when he gets defended is really impressive. Yeah. And he really attacks the defensive boards. Well, um, you know, I can see well, where the offensive they... board he got in, uh, what was it? The first game mm -hmm. where I forget what it was. It's like, Oh, just terrible mystery. And then he grabs it and puts it right in. And it was like, his hand just kind of like reached into the middle of nowhere, grabbed the ball, and it was suddenly you put it right in. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see the way why the Cavs are high on him. I mean, the one thing I like about him is even when his shot isn't falling, he still can positively impact the game, which is what Absolutely. you want from a shooter. Like, he was one for six in his first two NBA games, and yet he was plus six and plus 14. You know, he had four dimes in the the second Indiana game. He had, uh, uh, you know, a steal, um, uh, eight rebounds in his first game against Indiana. So I was I was very impressed with him, um, and I I think he's going to be a real nice bench player for them and and a spot starter. To be honest with you, I mean, if if Chetty ends up getting moved at some point, you could definitely say, hey. This guy could definitely come in and play the three or the maybe the two for them, but also be a six man. So I think he's going to be a real solid pro. I'm, yeah, I'm super happy with him. The issue with him is can he stay healthy? But, but as far as I know, before the stress fa fracture, he hasn't really had much injury history. Yeah, and I think we were all a little scared when he came up lame in the most recent game against the Knicks. And 
he was kind of grabbing that same leg and we're like, Oh, uh Oh, yeah. what's going on now? But from everything they said, it was like mainly they were just being cautious because it was the same leg and everything's going to be fine. So the, the interesting thing will be, will he play against, uh, the Knicks on Friday? Yeah. And that'll be good to see, uh, one way or the other. And again, hopefully he's in there, but I completely agree with your assessments. The first couple of games, Again, his shot looked like he was or something. But at the same point, he was constantly positive, positively affecting the game. He didn't let it take him out of the game. And he constantly did little things that were just helpful for the team. So he wasn't one of those, like, where I need to drain shots before I'm really engaged. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And, you know, interestingly, another guy similar who's had kind of a similar effect on Cavs although his shot has been dropping, is Dean Wade. I actually, you know, Dean Wade had a really has had a really nice preseason for the Cavs. Um, yeah, I'm really high on Dean Wade as well. I was bummed that his first game wasn't so good, and then since then he's really shown yeah. out to be the flashes of what I saw last year. So I, I really, really hope they're willing to fill that 15th spot yeah, I, I would love to see that. I mean, Dean Wade was 10 his first game, played five minutes, was 0 for 3. Didn't have a great game, but then, you know, the last game, uh, or the second Indiana game, he scored, there's the stupid points on this thing, he scored eight points, was plus 28 in the game, uh, led the team in plus minus, I believe, and then, you know, seven boards, eight points, and then against the Knicks, he had another, you know, just really nice game with nine points, three for five from three. Yeah, and the yeah that stereo there. <laughs> yeah, and the other really nice thing is he has a nice uh, footwork and nice ability to get into a shot in the pick and pop, like, and he's already kind of he's figured much out more his, agile than you. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he's really figured out his rhythm of how to get into that. Um, and for a big man, that's or you know quasi big man. Um, that that's a nice uh, nice ability. He's more agile than you would expect for his size. Yeah, I mean he can actually put the ball on the floor and move, and it doesn't look like he's doing something stupid. And well, I think he's like six ten. Uh, so, I don't think he's that tall. He is listed at six nine. He's very much yeah. uh, a poor man's Kevin Love. Yeah, or Kevin Love Light is someone. Yeah, I forget yeah. who that was. I, I've I've but, heard that comparison, or I've heard that term from more than one person. Oh yeah, I mean, I thought the same thing last year. I just hoping that he developed into yeah. actually being that. But uh, now, now that being said, the the difference, I I think that he's called that because he's a good shooter and he's and he's white. But Kevin Love is a phenomenal defensive rebounder, one of the best defensive rebounders we've seen in the NBA in the last, you know, 20 years. So I, I, I it's tough people to make like that comparison. But yeah, I, agree. Huh? I said, which people like to ignore, but I agree. Right. I mean, and that is not Dean Wade. I mean, Dean Wade's an okay rebounder, but he's not that, but he is a good shooter and he does get into his shot rhythm well. Instinct. I'm sorry. He's got a little better shot blocking instincts. Than yeah, he does. He's had a couple, he's had a block in each of the last two games. Um, he his defensive awareness is not terrible, um, but he's not a guy that has you know is super strong. That is going to be a guy that 
you know, can just deny you the block. Uh, he, he's got to be a little crafty with his defense. Um, yeah, I agree. So it be interesting to see how that shakes out. I'd like to see him make the regular season roster, as, as you know, you said when we counted. <laughs> yeah, either 14 or 15, depending on if yeah. you count maker. Yeah, and my a- guess is they try to keep him around on a two-way uh, again and keep that spot open. Um, I just don't know if they can do that, though. Cause, well, I, 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 NBA contracts are confusing, but since they already have two two-ways and they moved him from a two-way to a regular contract that was unguaranteed to free up a two-way, uh, I, I don't really know how the... He would have know, to clear waivers, I believe. Works. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. He would have to clear waivers, and then they would re-sign him to a two-way. Um, and I'm trying to think, who who'd you say the guys were that were on the two-way contracts for the Cavs? Um, Stevens and uh, something, M- Matt Mooney. I think Matthews. Oh, Matthews, I think it's yeah. Matthews. Now, I think we both... <laughs> I don't think any of us have an illusion that Matt Mooney is an NBA player. No. I mean, he was abysmal against the Knicks. He had like 14 seconds at least where he looked like an NBA player. Well, it was funny because I was watching the Knicks feed, and uh, Clyde Frazier really liked him. And he was like, this kid, Matt Mooney, he's got a nice handle. He's getting the Cavs into their sets. And I'm like, are you watching the same game? He's one for seven, and he's got four turnovers, and they're not good turnovers either. (laughs) And he's minus 23. He wasn't even setting up the offense. He just kind of dribbled a bit, and he had a decent handle. But he just kind of dribble around and then just pass it to somebody. Yeah, and, he looked completely and, overmatched. And and meanwhile, that kid quickly for the Knicks, I was like, was just totally outplaying him. I agree. Emmanuel quickly, yeah, Emmanuel quickly was impressive for the Knicks and had seven dimes in that game. He, he had a good game, even though he went one for six from three. So that's how you know a guy had a good game, and he led the Knicks in plus minus. I really thought he played a nice game. He was way to the first round. Yeah, and he was um, not the primary ball handler for Kentucky last year, but he certainly looked like he might get that that look for the Knicks at at times this season who have had a hard time finding guards. I I thought the Knicks lineup... um, you know, they started Alfred Payton, who was just kind of disappeared in that game, was 2 of 12. And he then they've got R.J. Barrett. But, there. yeah, man, that team is terrible. <laughs> I mean, well, it is Re- the Knicks. Reggie Bullock just, I was like, he does not even look like a bench player now in the NBA. And Julius Randle is the literal, like, the power forward, empty, best player on a bad team. Uh, yeah, just, well, but speaking of disappearing, though, uh, I'm sorry if I'm kind of derailing you. No, you're you, fine. But what was up with Oladipo in the preseason? Oh, I just I don't think he, he gave a crap. Like, he, I kept literally forgetting that he existed. He just, he did, like, next to nothing. I mean, he hit, like, a couple good shots, and then it was just like, oh, yeah, we don't actually really have a star except uh, Sabonis. Oh, the, they have Brogdon. Brogdon's awesome. Oh, it, but he didn't even show up that much, did he? Or maybe uh, he, had, he, he was decent against the Cavs. 
Uh, I don't think he played the second game, but he was solid in the first game. Okay, then that makes sense. Yeah, Thanks. and Sabonis, I here I wrote about this in the recap. I don't think Indiana cared about those games nearly as much as the Cavs did. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's that's one of those things. It's like they're just tuning out for the regular season. Um, that being said, I love Demontis Sabonis's game. Like he is so, it is such a throwback game. The way he plays, like he would have been a great player in the you know late eighties and nineties, and he's a great player now. And he really good passer. One of the best low post finishers below the rim, and he can and he can dunk too. A great passer, good rebounder, just really solid player. See, I hate Sabonis. Not saying that he's not a good player, because you're absolutely right with everything. Oh, he's that he so said. annoying on the other but, team. Well, and it's he gets away with a shuffle step always. Well, yeah, and offensive fouls all the time. Right. But it's every post up he has. And almost every shot he takes, he takes like four steps beforehand and gets away with it. <laughs> and it drives me absolutely nuts. But it's again the thing I said earlier. He's on our team. I'd love the dude. And it's uh, and he's Lithuanian and I'm quarter Lithuanian, so I kinda hate him and love him for that at the same time as well. Uh but it's just it just drives me nuts seeing the little like elbows and shuffle steps he gets away with. At the same point it's it's a really kind of typical thing of his makeup as in European players, at least from what I've seen kind of tend to have a little bit of that gamesmanship uh, where they learn like the little elbow they can get away with yeah. the little step they can get away with. Yeah. Like and, he is so good at getting his shoulder into you. Like he is the best player maybe in the NBA in the low post at just getting that shoulder into you and then getting parallel to you and warding getting that shoulder into you so that, and maybe a little bit of that chicken wing so that you can't get up to block that shot. And then he's already got it up. And, and if you try to block it, you're going to bump him and he's going to get the foul. Yeah. And he's going to fly five feet away. Yeah. Right. So it's, so that's a big European thing, but then similarly, sons of NBA players also tend to learn the little stuff you can get away with. Yeah, the little shuffle steps or the your elbow into someone, and uh, you know the little things that refs will let you get away with, even though they're not really in the rules. So he he's got like the duality there of the son <laughs> of an NBA player and a European player. Oh, there you so go. Yeah, like I didn't think about dirty it. Dirty trick in the book. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I I can't even. If there's a team that I would pick to fall off the NBA map this year. It might be Indiana just because I think it's a bit of a toxic locker room. I don't think Oladipo wants to be there, but he kind of ran his mouth off in the in the preseason and discovered no team really wants to trade for him. And so and he kind of had to walk a lot of the stories about him back. Like, did you hear the story yeah. of him in the bubble where he was asking other teams if he could come play with them? <laughs> feel like I heard something about it, but I don't actually remember the details, so yeah. I don't know. So, um, I, if there's, the East actually seems a lot more stacked than it has in the past, although I think yeah. if there's a team that totally overspent in the offseason that looks terrible, it's Atlanta. I, I think they're going to be almost as bad as they were, except they're going to have a lot more expensive contracts on their team. 
but teams are going to fall off the map. You obviously forget Sacramento. Well, no, I mean, I'm talking about, I, I guess I would say, you know, a team like Atlanta, not Atlanta, um, Indiana, that was a playoff team, I could just see them totally, that locker room just falling apart and then, you know, blowing up that team. No, I, I can get that, and especially just kind of the general team chemistry when we played them. Where yeah. it just constantly players disappeared, and it was like, you know, Sabonis and the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, again, as we said, there's a lot of things he's good at, but he's not going to carry a team to the playoffs by himself. And it's, you know, Brogdon's a hell of a player, but he didn't carry the team. And Oladipo went from no one really cared about him to all star to eh. And then the rest of the team was unmemorable. But the team I really hope falls off the map is the Nets, because I am so sick and tired of Kyrie. <laughs> it's, his whole media thing recently is just yeah, ridiculous. No. Well, and the thing that drives me nuts is kind of like these these uber-woke NBA writers that are like, Kyrie's just, you know, what was the one I read? It said... You know, Kyrie was right about the NBA bubble. I was like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he was completely wrong. <laughs> you know, the bubble was an was a resounding success and got NBA players like, I think, 25% of their salary back. You know, it's just like... Not to mention this whole thing about social justice and, oh, it's going to take away if we play games again. They had... Damn, Black Lives Matter stapled across the court the entire time. It, it brings a hell of a lot more attention than just, like, sitting in your house and whining. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a debatable point, but I I certainly wouldn't call it a mistake. I mean, that it's just, I, I don't think he was right. I mean, I think it's a debatable point about how they necessarily could have handled things or what was yeah. a good idea or what helped, but I, I just, I don't believe that sitting at home and not playing would have brought more attention to the cause. Yeah. I, I also think the, the other problem is, you know, NBA writers now, there's not a lot of elite NBA beat reporters anymore. Most of these guys are not making a ton of money. You know, they're these third string guys for the athletic and, or local papers. And it's like, you know, throw them a bone because these guys are not, they are working class people. You know, a lot of them aren't making more than, you know, $40,000 a year. So, you know, cut them some slack. Unlike us that make a ton of money for the site. Well, no, I, I don't, I, I don't make any money. I, I pay money to do Cavs the blog, but it's. That was my point. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, have, have some grace, I guess. <laughs> and no, calling people was... pawns is a little ridiculous I, and really degrading, if you ask me. No, I completely agree. Again, that was my point. I was being yeah. kind of silly about it. But it's, there's so many people that do this that cover sports, and some of them, you know, do make at least a living wage. Plus, you cut out there. That are making you, millions. Uh, am I still here? No, you, you're back. Yeah, what did you say? It's, there's the people that are doing this. It's whether it's you know people getting actually paid for it or people doing it as a hobby. 
they're not making millions of dollars. They're not even making hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars. They're, they're doing it just because it's something that they're passionate about, something that they like or something that they fell into. Yeah. And so someone that's making, you know, 20, 30 million dollars a year saying, I'm not going to talk to you in your pawns is just insulting. Yeah, well, and, exactly. And I think Kevin Love's comments on it were absolutely Oh, I didn't brilliant. hear Kevin Love's comments. Uh, he had like a two-minute video. Uh, I, I don't want to try and quote him because I'm going to screw it up. Uh, but well, I'm not going to try and overly quote him because I'll <laughs> screw it up. Uh, but if you like Google it or whatever, it's pretty easy to find. He okay. basically said, you know, along the lines of, you know, I like Kyrie, you know, we were friends and we played in a team together. He's like, but I think it's really insulting to call people pawns. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, the way I look at things is I try to look at every man and woman as my superior as they have something to teach me and something I can learn from. And this league and, you know, this whole industry wouldn't function with all, without all these different parts as part of it. So, you know, we really have to respect the fact that everyone just has a job to fill. Yeah. And, you know, so uh, we have to respect that. He had a lot of us, ums and us in there just like I did, but I thought he handled it brilliantly. Yeah, I, well, and I'm I'm very excited to see Kevin Love in the regular season because, you know, they're clearly treating him with kid gloves in the preseason, and but they also know what he can do, and I, I'm – I actually think that Cavs front court, especially if they if Okoro is starting at the three, it's going to give teams some trouble. Like, I absolutely agree. Well, it, I think it was the first game, uh, and it's like early in the game, Okoro was uh, handling the ball, and he threw a post entry pass to Love that was perfect. I, I almost like stood up and did jumping jacks. I was <laughs> like, like, oh, like I haven't seen it in three years. <laughs> right? I was like, oh my god, there's a kid that can throw a pass into the post, not screw it up, put it right where it needs to be. I, I don't even remember Love scored, but I was just <laughs> so ecstatic that he threw it just the way you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Um. So any the other Cav who had a has had a really nice preseason Dante Exum in the second game against oh, yeah. the Pacers what was really good and I think a little bit of Dante Exum's issue is the same thing that is Thon Maker's issue is that they've been remarkably inconsistent throughout their careers and that is their biggest issue so it'll be interesting to see if Dante Exum can you know capture con- some consistency and also stay healthy yeah there? i'm really conflicted about x yeah i you cut out for a second on me too oh okay i was me? just gonna say yeah the the problem is, is can he stay consistent and can he stay healthy and he's a, one of those guys i i have a guy i talk to a lot on on twitter that's a a big jazz guy and his thing about exum is he is when he's hurt he's terrible like and he seems to get hurt a lot and it takes him a long time to recover and that's that's been the issue around him his entire career so and i said you know he's 25 but he he his game including his athleticism is like he's 32 so we'll we'll kind of see how the rest of the season goes and whether he can be consistent and be the guy who wasn't in, in that indiana game yeah i'm really conflicted about it. 
Exum because, especially going into the preseason, he was like the guy on the roster that I'm just waiting for them to move. Because he's not a bad basketball player, but I didn't see what he really brought. And then he's played several games where it's like, whoa, okay, so that's like 6'5", a good defender, can play the point and could play the three if he had to, is hitting threes and like, what? Where did this guy come from? It's like we saw flashes before, but it's he's been in the preseason, so now I don't know what my opinion is supposed to be about him anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's been the knock on him his whole career is he'll have a great game and then he'll disappear for two. So yeah, and and to be great in the NBA, you have to, you know, you can only have a bad game about one out of every five or six games, if that, you know. Yeah, if you're going to be great. If you're going to be a starter, you got to, I don't know, at worst, be good one out of three games. Well, two out of three for a starter, but yeah. Well, a good starter anyway. <laughs> Wait, it, yeah, it, you can be the fourth or fifth starter, and if one out of three games you got a 20-point game, you're all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but you're right. It's, if you're someone that, you know, that's going to be dependent on, you got to be two out of three, three out of four, four out of five. Yeah. And, I don't know if he can do that. If he can, then, you know, we have, you know, just extra riches on the team that we didn't even expect. Yeah. And, and Exum, I, I said earlier that Dean Wade led the team in plus minus that game, but he, I'm wrong. It was actually Exum who was plus 33 against Indy, uh, had 23 yeah. points, five assists, um, four turnovers, but four rebounds. I mean, he was awesome that game. And right, if, he was a team. Yeah, I mean, if he can put that together, that's huge. And, you know, Bernie Bickerstaff or J.B. Bickerstaff said at the end of that game, well, he's our he's our backup point guard going forward. So it was an interesting, interesting comment, which made you think, oh, I guess Darius Garland's going to stay the starter. Yeah, which yeah, that's a kind of a weird backhanded thing where it's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was exactly. Hoping they kind of split that up and. Because it's, again, the size thing. It's eventually, you know, Sexton and Garland, if they develop enough, maybe can be a good starting backcourt. But they're not there yet. Yeah. They both have too much development and too much growing to do, and it's just going to be frustrating. It's every time, as I was talking about, when I, like, lay down to go to sleep and I run lineups in my head, I think about like, okay, well, what would work as a first and second unit? And it's always a problem of, damn it, we have to put Garland and Sexton together. That creates this problem and this problem. And it's, and it's not even necessarily Garland being bad. It's just, it doesn't work right now. Right. And it's interesting. Like, I don't think you're going to see Delhi get a lot of run this year. Although I thought he looked good in the last game. Um, no, I think but he's going to be player coach basically all year. Well, I think he might seem get 10 15 minutes a game just to like if you want to JYD it up like, against a team where you just throw Delhi out and tell him to make the other guards life hell for 10 minutes, you you can do that. Well, I could definitely see him getting some run but consistently, I don't think so, but Maybe I'm wrong, and I actually kind of hope I am. But I, I think he'll have sections of the season where he'll be getting 10, 15 minutes a game, and then he'll also get his DNPs. Well, just his passing at the end of the season last year was just prolific. I mean, oh, the way yeah. he just put the team on his back for a while. Yeah. yeah. But the, the problem with Delhi has always been 
you know, similarly, he gets hurt and, you know, can't. He is so limited in his scoring ability to pretty much catch and shoot. Um, and he's, but he's a great yeah, passer, but he's not a guy who scores that well. But he did actually finish fairly well last year. He pretty much had his best season as a finisher. So it'd be interesting to see if he, you know, gets any run this year and if he isn't getting a lot of run, if the Cavs move him at all at his choice, because there will, of course, there's going to be a lot of injuries this year, just for how many games they're playing and how weird the off season was. And some of these guys aren't in shape. We've already seen well, you're going to have COVID pop up. Well, that, yeah, also that. And you've already seen guys blow their Achilles in preseason. A couple guys have. Uh, I know that that guy did for uh, Houston this this week. So, you know, guys are going to be injured. There's going to be teams that are going to need players. And the Cavs are going to have players to move. So it'll be interesting to see who stays and who goes. I just I find it unlikely that the Cavs will move Delhi unless there's a compelling reason. Because I, I just feel like he means more to the Cavs than he will to any other team. Well, I, I would say that's true. But the other side of that would be, you know, if he has an opportunity for playing team with the team in contention, maybe, and he wants to go there, you know, maybe they oblige. Right, but he turned down the Lakers. Did he turn down the Lakers to join the Cavs? Yeah. Yeah, they were courting him uh, in the off season, and he signed Cavs instead. I did not hear that story. I mean, maybe I dream this in like some weird fever dream but i'm nearly sure i've heard it like from three different sources that the other team that was trying to sign him was the lakers and he didn't hmm. so that's why i really don't think that he's going anywhere for this year hmm. interesting I, now i don't know if we offered him a little bit more or not but i mean we're not paying him much it's what like 2.3 million or something like yeah. that yeah. um but i, I wish heard, i wish i could get 2.3 million yeah i realized as i was saying that how absurd that sentence sounded <laughs> yeah no and you know like what was the deal that Giannis signed 240 million yes yeah quarter million dollars to, uh, <laughs> Good although, work if you can get it yeah i don't blame him uh, he's got a lot of brothers to support that are also in the nba and making millions of dollars uh but honestly i'm glad he's staying in a small market that's kind of great for the league I yeah think. and he's definitely an atypical guy so i'm happy to see it for milwaukee i mean i i got in an argument the other day with it was like well the Cavs have the unprotected 2022 pick so you know that's bad for the Cavs. i'm like you know <laughs> i'm not gonna get too up or too down yeah. about a 2022 pick i i think it's better that a small market team very very similar to the Cavs, uh, you know, keeps right, their guy. Right, been through this before. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, if they started sucking and we got a few rounds earlier in, or, you know, a few draft picks earlier, that would be nice. But I, I kind of enjoy the NBA being entertaining yeah. as well. So yeah, I, exactly. I'm not going to cry about that. Yeah, anything you want to point out uh, about the the preseason or any of the last two games? Um, you know, the Cavs had a nice, uh, game against the Pacers and I actually thought they played well against the Knicks, but, you know, ran, got, got Thibodeau at the end. So I wasn't too upset about it. Yeah. The end of the game was, again, we, 
we beat the Knicks for three quarters, and then we put in the G League. So I'm <laughs> yeah. overly concerned. And even the guys that were playing that are going to make the team, which is like Doc, uh, Dotson and Okoro and Make. I think no, maybe Maker didn't play anymore. Maybe No, Maker was out, and Okoro, they pulled him with about five minutes left. So it was really Dotson and four and the Canton charge. Yeah, So, but it's, even when Dotson was in, and even when Okoro, before they pulled Okoro, he barely had the ball. No, yeah, so nobody he, would pass to him. <laughs> right, so it's I'm not really over concerned with it. It it would have been nice to say oh over three and zero, oh, but I mean, how many times have we like played the preseason, beat the Celtics twice, and felt really good about ourselves, and yeah. then won 19 games? So I'm not yeah, overly... or the Celtics last season where they destroyed the Cavs in preseason, or not last season? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's all a blur. Yeah, it was the last season of the season before where we beat like two or three good teams and looked really good, but it was like, well, yeah, we were playing against like their kids. Yeah. So yeah. that doesn't really mean anything. I'm glad we were able to beat Indiana. Uh, I know Oladipo wasn't overly engaged, but we still played against the better players in Indiana that were a playoff team and actually, you know, accomplished things and did well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Again, the biggest thing I keep harping on is I hope we carry 15. Because after I've seen some of the stuff from Dotson, I'd like to keep him. I really am high on Wade, even though you know I know he's imperfect. But I think he's a great bottom-of-the-bench player. And I think Makers would be really bad, really good backup center. Um, yeah, and we still – have you heard whether JaVale McGee is going to play in the next game? That one I haven't heard. And yeah. I, I want to see how he looks, too, for sure. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how he's going to kind of work with the dynamic of the Cavs. Uh, I obviously really want to see Porter play again, and I hope he gets his stuff kind of ironed out. Yeah, well, he did have the, all the charges dropped against him today. So. Oh, the gun charges got dropped, too? The, the, the firearms and the marijuana possession charges were dismissed. So. Oh, that's good. I heard the marijuana charges had been, had been dropped a few days ago, but then he was still waiting on the other ones. So, yeah, I, and I also heard that they were kind of waiting on dealing with some of the court stuff before putting them in. Yeah. So that's really good. I can't wait to see what that kid's going to be able to develop into. And yeah, um, I, I think the offseason stuff kind of set him back a little bit, but we'll see. I think him being around the team and him being in the NBA is – is probably good for him. So hopefully it's a really positive influence as well. Yeah. And the Cavs are a good culture for him. I hope. Well, and I thought Bickerstaff's comments after the whole event were really good where, you know, he didn't just let him off the hook, but he's like, you know, we don't give up on people and we really want to invest in our players and their lives. And, you know, we want to try and do the best we can for him. So I, I think they had a good approach to that. Yeah. So, I'm really excited about that. I love the fact that we went from a team for years and years that had no rim protection to a team that has almost a gluttony of rim protection. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's and, actually a good point. And then at least what I've seen from Bickerstaff so far shows that at the very least he's been able to get the team to buy into what he's trying to do. Yeah, no, and, I think he's he's pretty respected and... The thing that I like about him, and and probably I'm guessing that the players like about him, is he's not like an in-your-face, I'm-going-to-yell-at-you guy, you know, 
And I think having two interim head coaching positions before he joined the Cavs was a really good, you know, he's been a head coach before. He knows what works and what doesn't, especially in the NBA. And I hope he's a coach of the Cavs for a long time because I, I really like him as a person and his demeanor and the way that the players play for him and the, you know, tactical and strategic decisions they make. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the future brings uh, with JB Bakerstaff. So I absolutely agree. And I mean, then he also has the experience of having his dad that's worked in the NBA for yeah. as long as he has and, you know, is, works for the Cavs as well so that helps and you know I, I don't think the Cavs are ever at least in the near future going to be you know a defensive monster but he does have the experience with the whole kind of grit and grind uh, era of Memphis where he can at least uh, I'll go back to my earlier term to help be disruptive uh, on defense and I think we've seen that in little ways where it's even if they're not necessarily making the perfect play or even if they're screwing up, or even if they need to learn stuff, they just had their hands out there. They're doing little things to try and make it so it's not just yeah. so easy. So even if the guy's not a great defender, he's he's not letting people walk all over him. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because Ben, in our email thread, Ben Worth, basically is like, I'm really surprised none of you picked Drummond to lead the Cavs in steals because he's always a steals guy. I mean, if... And that's the thing, like Drummond, when he is engaged and when he's, you know, on top of his game, he's a really good defensive player and also has the ability to be a really good offensive player. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what this Cavs team is. And if he is good, how that, you know, do the Cavs try and extend him or do they... Um, try and move him for another, you know, for draft pick or another player. It, it'll be an interesting season for sure. Yeah, Drummond's going to be a weird enigma to watch because you're absolutely right. It's He has moments where you look at him and you just slap your head. But he has other moments where it's like, well, he's good at this, he's good at this, he's good at this. He's doing all these things wonderfully. Like, why do I have a problem with him? Yeah, uh, well, and the other thing is, is he's also a guy I think that plays really well in 25 minutes a night. And when he gets out to 36 minutes a night, I feel like he runs down a lot. Um, yeah, no, I would agree. I also think... I've never played- been impressed with him in the fourth quarter. And not the, it's not the free throw shooting, because I always feel like he doesn't have the stamina to be that good in the fir- fourth quarter. What were you saying? Oh, I was just saying, I agree with that. I also feel like Drummond is so much better if he doesn't have to be the guy. Yeah. It's, you know, if you have one or two other people and, you know, the way the lineup could shake out, you know, with Love and Sexton being kind of the scoring uh, focus, then Drummond doesn't have to do the stupid little things that make us all annoyed. And he could just be awesome at the three or four things that he's awesome at. Yeah. So in Detroit for so many years, just, you know, they'd have someone get injured or they just kind of wouldn't know how to run the team. And it would be like, well, this is the Drummond show. It would work for a while, and then it stopped him, and then he'd run out of steam. <laughs> yeah. So if we can have a few, two or three other players that are really kind of carrying the team, and especially if it's like Sex and Love and Porter, and then the other role players are doing well, and then we have the wing depth that we suddenly have out of nowhere, 
he could have a really good year and be really vital to the team. And uh, at least from the things he said, he doesn't seem in a hurry to get out of here. So <laughs> uh, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Yeah. Well, uh, anything you want to pitch or any stories you want to share before we uh, before we close this podcast out? Uh, let's see. Well, I could go through a tale of woes of pandemic stuff, but uh, yeah, everybody's got that. Uh, only thing I got is I just rewatched the entire series of Dexter because the <laughs> next season is coming out soon, and I like hanging out with serial killers. Apparently, <laughs> um, I don't have anything movie wise. I I am I have built my retro arcade emulator. So I've been playing a lot of NBA Jam Tournament Edition from uh, 1997. Wait, um, actually, on an arcade machine. It well, it's an emulator, so it. I'm I'm playing it on my big screen TV with an Xbox 360 controller, but it is the okay, original. Cool, but still pretty awesome. Yeah, it is the original game. With, you know, with the original graphics and all the original yeah. sound, and it is a lot of fun. Um. That is the one thing I loved about, uh, well, I haven't gone there in years now, but uh, going to 16-bit in Lakewood. Oh, yeah. They yeah. had the old-school arcade console there. Oh, yeah. 16-bit bar in Lakewood is, is a, a very fun bar. I went there for my buddy. We My buddy got married about three years ago, and we had a bachelor party there, and it was just a blast. Yeah, that's so. a great choice for a bachelor party. Well, that was one of the many places we went, but. That 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 was we, we spent all a Friday afternoon there. So anything else you got? Um. So yeah. Uh. NBA. I, I will say I'll, I'll pitch NBA Jam Tournament Edition, and um. I will pitch. Uh. I, I haven't been been doing too much else to be honest with you. I've I've just been working. Um. But you know Trust I'm building my feeling. Rich- mm-hmm. Oh God. I was going to say, trust me, I know the family is work and helping family with stuff and yeah. hiding from coworkers that got COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate I get to work from home. Um, I haven't haven't watched a lot of TV, although I will say uh, we have watched a lot of, as my daughter, as my 11-year-old calls it, poop cr- Poops Creek, because she won't <laughs> say shit. <laughs> But yeah, we have oh, watched a lot of Shit's Creek, and that that's been a lot of fun. Um, it, have enjoyed that show. I, a lot of people have kind of had a love affair with that show in the last year, so that's that's been fun. Uh, but but not too much else, to be honest with you. Uh, just kind of laying low and and getting all getting my work done and trying to follow the Cavs whenever I can. And and I will say, if you haven't seen Hamilton. On Disney Plus, uh, it, it's about the most addictive and the most catchy tunes you're gonna hear in in decades. So I've been watched Hamilton with my daughters front to back for the first time. It's one of those I hadn't watched it from. I'd watched all of it, but not all at once. And I just really, really cl- catchy tunes. Really, really fun play and i i like how it gets kids jazzed about history so uh, that's been fun so yeah i feel terrible because i've watched like half of it 
And the okay. night I was watching it, I had to work early the next morning, and I was starting to get tired and didn't finish it. And then I didn't want to start it in the middle. But then I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have time to watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it is long. It, I will say that. So, yeah, it's one of those, like, weird uh, conundrums you run into. So I keep meaning to watch the rest, but, I mean, the, obviously the tunes are amazing. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is hilarious and just so entertaining. And yeah. Honestly, I always just really liked Alexander Hamilton. Uh, when I was in uh, AP history in high school, we had to do this, like, debate thing in class, and... Uh, I forget the whole details of it, but it was describing stuff about Hamilton and someone else and who you were standing up for. My teacher was kind of trying to prod people into supporting stuff that Hamilton said because uh, he was obviously really, really liberal, but he didn't want to appear to be. And <laughs> I just remember learning a bunch about him at the time. And the guy just did all these brilliant things in the founding of the country. So uh, I I'm definitely a fan. The $10 founding father. <laughs> so i definitely have to get around to having a day where i yeah. have like what, two and a half three hours or more to uh, sit down and watch the whole thing yeah well it's definitely and and i i listen to the the soundtrack too uh, uh for the next day or two so um enjoyed that so but that's about all we got for uh calves the podcast um check out the knicks game on friday and then kick off on the 23rd against the Hornets. And that'll be uh, in Charlotte. So, you know, I'm really excited for the NBA season. And really excited to see what, what the season holds for the Cavs. So hopefully we'll have one more podcast uh, before that game. And just enjoy the season, everybody. Go Cavs. Yeah, it's nice to just have basketball again. Go Cavs. And, and go Browns. And we managed to... Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Lost your home. And we're out.